0: THE ECOLOGY OF Bahamut. A light too bright for us to comprehend, a power that seems to never end, and grace and kindness no one can deserve, the platinum dragon still calls me a friend, I had never felt so safe and afraid when he had first spoke to me. GALADANAB, ANCIENT GOLD DRAGON INTRODUCTION Having studied all the metallic dragons, it was only a matter of time before I started looking into Bahamut. While I researched Tiamat for necessity, Bahamut's story was a pleasure. I spent the better part of a year not only speaking to the kind-hearted dragons around him, but even taking an audience with him during this time. So many misconceptions of dragons exist, and Bahamut is no stranger to these. While I can only do my part in seeking the truth, it was a blessing to have such a safe assignment. Origins Bahamut is thought to have been the father of all metallic dragons, as he is the only platinum dragon. The truth is that Bahamut is the last of a now extinct line of metallic platinum dragons. Two other lineages of metallic dragons also died away with time, while the modern five remain. His ascension was primarily due to him playing such a pivotal role in both culture and leadership of early metallic dragons as their society wasn't as always so benevolent. Banding together with other dragons of his kind to stop the schemes of Tiamat is what caused his ascension and continues to be one of his primary goals. Physiology Identifying Bahamut Bahamut is easily recognized by his reflective metallic scales and the conical horns directly behind his head in his dragon form. Despite him being the only remaining dragon of his kind, he was a unique dragon among his kin as well. Bahamut's cat has a cat-like body structure like all dragons, but unlike modern dragons, his front legs are noticeably longer than his hind legs. His head is is conical and sports many large and sharp teeth, being descended from reptilian carnivores. Notably, his tail is longer than most dragons in proportion, and the last 10% splits into two independently prehensile ends. He often takes shape of an elderly man dressed in a platinum robe accompanied by seven yellow canaries, his seven most trusted and cherished dragon friends. All seven of these dragons are powerful in their own right, and are immortal demigods themselves. These dragons are simply known as The Seven. They are almost always at his side and work with him on numerous tasks of a royalty-like station and leadership of a sizable portion of dragonkind. This humanoid form is common among his visits to the material plane, but often disguises himself as a humble and caring denizen of whichever plane he determines to visit. Incredible Magical Abilities Muhammad is one of the most powerful and magical adept beings in the known existence of life. It would be hard to recognize this as most would simply think he'd wipe away his enemies like a dewdrop clinging too long to the morning sun. While extremely powerful, it's also easy to forget just how powerful and influential Tiamat, his primal rival, is as well. Muhammad is a master of arcane and divine magics, as well as near-perfect shapeshifter. Unlike a doppelganger who must see and study their target, Bahamut can shapeshift into millions of unique beings simply by desiring to do so. However, he favors particular forms and looks, but it, it is not to the extent of his capabilities. Breath of Dragons Metallic dragons are known for having two kinds of breath weapons. However, for Bahamut and others of the older types of dragons, it isn't the case. Muhammad's significant magical abilities can alter his breath and do many different things, but his natural breath weapon is only singular. In its raw form, the breath is that of a cold nature and can freeze enemies nearly instantly. This information leads me to believe that the silver dragons might be the closest to the platinum dragons ecologically, but it's only speculation. With this magic, he is known to have altered the breath to fire, acid, and even infused it with paralytic agents to hold the creature still. For these reasons, some experts describe Bahamut's breath as a prismatic spray. Size and Power In his true form, Bahamut is a massive and powerful dragon. Most dragons stand between 40 and 50 feet tall when older, as dragons grow for much longer in their lifespans than humanoids, but Bahamut exceeds 80 feet. Along with his great side, he possesses incredible strength and surprising agility. Rarely does he resort to physical confrontation and to use this advantage, but when he does, so many are awestruck, whether they are a friend or foe. Flight Like many dragons, Bahamut is capable of flight despite his impressive mass. Bahamut's flight is often magically aided for speed, and he is slower than many other dragons if not assisted in such manner. However, when he uses his magic to fly, it seems he deftly swims through the air. As with many dragons, he takes pleasure in flight and will often be in a good mood or playful if there is no urgency to the situation. Scales Like Rainbows Platinum dragon scales, when observed under bright light, faintly shimmer like a rainbow. These beautiful scales are durable, but not as much as other modern dragons. They certainly offer far more protection against blows than many creatures, but modern dragons have adapted to have even more physical confrontation. This fact rarely concerns Bahamut himself as his substantial magical abilities can rectify this seemingly disadvantaged diet. Dragons are often seen exclusively as carnivorous, and while this can hold true for many chromatic dragons, Bahamut and other metallic dragons defy this assumption. Bahamut being a divine being doesn't require any sustenance, but will indulge indulge in the delight of food and drink with friends on occasion. His favorite drink is elegant wines, especially rare wines made from the Ulidian fruits, a wild cross between pears and grapes, often only known by dragons. He often will snack on sweet fruits, usually of substantial sizes, magically enhanced, of course. Treasures Behind the East Wind. Muhammad lives in a palace hidden by swirling yet soft winds upon the peaks in the plains of Celestia. Often scholars once believed he lived in the elemental plains of air, but it seems that has either been abandoned or simply mistaken information. This palace serves as a grand home for himself and his close friends including the Seven. The building itself is named the palace behind the east wind. Bahamut's home is extravagant and large, as he is indeed a large creature. Each wing of the palace is home to the dragons of the Seven, an essential area for himself, with statues, art, and artifacts that tell the tales of ex- his exploits adorning his home and a great hall where he often spends time with company. The central hub is closest to what can be described as the throne room, however it is devoid of a throne. Instead, he sits himself to converse, and naturally others gather around. Vine-covered white marble is the aesthetic that best describes the decor around the palace, extravagant and natural simultaneously. Birds can always be heard singing, playing, and flying on the court and its grounds. While many dragons hoard gold, treasure, and art for their keeping, his coffers often are filled with tributes and emptied for many causes. Despite being a powerful divine being, he cannot aid in all aspects of life that he would wish to. Thus he often entrusts individuals with more than enough treasure to help a cause. These causes are often complex and far more abstract than even the woes of a whole country. Keeping an entire plane to able to bear life is more akin to where to his considerable goals lie. Mental and Social Observations Impressive Intelligence A common phrase by humanoids is that an intelligent person thinks seven steps ahead of the average person. Muhammad's equivalent would be that he is thinking 20 turns ahead, behind, and in the current moment on 10 simultaneous game boards. Rarely is Bahamut fixed on one single goal, conversation, or idea. The split focus can make him seem scatterbrained as he is able to carry many conversations fallacy. It's a sight to behold when he is speaking with all members of the Seven at once. However, he can also seem as if he is giving you the most of his attention when he needs to. There is a limit to this ability, and he can only work with so many levels for a few hours. He will need a rest after such an intense bouts of mental duress. No matter how far ahead he thinks, his vile sister, Tiamat, seems to keep in step with his every plan. Having seven intelligent and harmonized heads may help, though. Captivating Personality Even with his impressive magic and physical capabilities, it's widely accepted that his char- charismatic and disarming ways are his most effective weapons. While creatures of natural charisma, such as vampires or fae, often coerce or manipulate others into their plans only to they realize their folly, Bahamut avoids this feeling of betrayal entirely. His char- charismatic ways come from the genuine listening, caring, and working with his enemies. In no way does Bahamut trick an individual into liking him or agreeing, but he does so with grace and truthfulness. It's hard to argue with his observations or points. His charming ways have swayed even some devout dragons following Tiamat. Some of those would count Bahamut as friend. One such dragon, Altair, the Black, is a black dragon who has devoted himself to the aids and plights of a small swamp village. Bahamut undoubtedly brings good out in many individuals. The Burden of History The Lord of Metallic Dragons takes the plights and histories of dragons, not just metallic, but all dragons, seriously. While Tiamat and other dragons have segregated themselves, Bahamut strives to unite dragonkind in the teachings of his father, Eo. While Eo disappeared long ago, the burden of all dragon history and its safekeeping lies with him. If he were to ever have a most valuable treasure, it is the writings of Eo and the recorded history of dragons. In my mission to uncover the true nature and origin of dragons, this information was incredibly vital. Only by earning his trust was I able to even gaze upon the records. While my goal is to understand Bahamut better, this knowledge has aided in many of the endeavors to understand the creatures of our vast and wonderful world. While nothing of the biological origins was present among the information, a lot of social growth of the dragons was made clear. Eo, the first dragon to obtain sentience, strived to unite dragons under his wings. While they were always cunning creatures, Eo taught them to speak, write, and grew their culture for eons before elves, dwarves, men's, men, orcs, or anyone else walked the material plane's soil. Eo, who was now lost and thought to be dead, was the influential to many dragons. Muhammad searched for ages of, for clues about his disappearance, while Tiamat claims to have been behind it. Muhammad suspects it is only a needle at his heart and the fabrication from the dragon of lies. Children of Muhammad. Muhammad has no biological children, but each student he cares for as if he, they were his own, very scale and blood. He heads the continuous war and struggle against Tiamat's schemes and seeks to better the world for dragons. Dragons understand that they are part of a more extensive system and concerning the needs of others around them is part of making a better world for themselves. Deny your greed, but not yourself. Many devote themselves as paladins and clerics of his order, especially metallic dragons and dragonborn. Muhammad, just as any other deity, grants them aid in spells and advice, mainly while working against Hiamat or chromatic dragons under her wing or in the betterment for the local environment. Muhammad doesn't ask for hatred or anger against his enemies, but instead he asks for those devout to him to listen and hear foes, guiding them to a path of peace. Force isn't prohibited, though. When reason and heart-to-heart fails, force is often used. Language and Communication As anyone could expect, the Platinum Dragon is fluent in Common and Draconic, and he is fluent in many other languages. It's more apt to list the languages in which he doesn't possess a familiarity. Most notably, he often has trouble communicating with those such as elementals, despite being well traveled in those areas while he can fully understand the languages an unfortunate unfortunate anatomical challenge for dragons prevents many sounds and proper tones from conveying clear speech in nearly all elemental languages bahamut and his interactions with other creatures dragons despite being the father of all metallic dragons dragon sees all of dragonkin in one family those who follow tiamat and her corruption of dragon society are not looked upon with favor, but still as equals. Muhammad prefers not to resort to violence, but w- but can when required and will if the situation demands so. Most often, he attacks when protecting another being. Tiamat, however, is the lone exception. He does foster a long hatred and pain involving her. He is known for his patience and kindness, but. Uh, but such offerings for the seven-headed queen have long been extinguished. Matters directly involving his sister are often agitating and bring a fire under his wings. To explain, a fire under the wings is a dragon expression too similar to the human one, lighting a fighter fire under a man's rear. Humanoids Bahamut holds all life in high esteem, which for humanoids is no different. However, his thoughts on humanoids are often more of disappointment. Most Metallic dragons enjoy the company of well-meaning humanoids, but Homet demands a higher standard than which most civilizations have achieved. He favors humans for an unsaid reason, since he is often found wandering as an elderly human man. It may be that it's simply a humble and unassuming form. Exceptions exist for those who have proven themselves as beacons of light in what seems an ever-darkening world. Homet had some... Singing and honest critiques of both my work and life, and I take them as words of an honest friend, and and at the same time the chastising of a superior. He loves humanoids as with any life, but most often they are those who fall under the influence of Tiamat the hardest, aside from chromatic dragons themselves. To be fair, it was a cult of humans who succeeded in her recent return to the material plane, and not that of dragons birds. Muhammad is amused by and fond of birds. In his palace live many birds, thousands, if they were ever to be counted. There are a few exceptions, though, as he doesn't enjoy the br- brutality of terror birds. Yet there are surprising ph- flocks that tend to roost in his temples, such as crows and vultures. It's evident that when in disguise that the seven often disguise themselves as canaries, not for unassuming nature, but also a pleasing form to their dear friend. Other Deities Bahamut doesn't often associate himself as a deity, and even less so when around other gods. While it could be understood as humility, a trait he is well known for, it is most often disdain. Since each being who has achieved near impossible status of godhood used to be mortal, Bahamut despises how many seems to forget this reality. Instead of helping their followers, many of them use them for their own gains. The fight with Tiamat is indeed an impersonal one, but also, in Bahamut's eyes, necessary for all. Bahamut still rarely directly intervenes in an individual's struggles, but he does so exponentially more than any other gods. In particular, he despises evil deities as those who will openly and brazenly manipulate for power. Even a god has limits, and he can't fight them all. However, he favors many of those who would fight against the atrocities of any evil deity. He has his claws full with Tiamat at the time being. A battle long coming. In terms of fighting capabilities, dragons are often the top tiers of existence. Ad being a talented magic wielder, impressive specimen even for dragons, and a staggering intelligence together, and Bahamut is seemingly unmatched. However, it's important to note that Tiamat is possibly even more dangerous in physical confrontation. One hand versus, versus five is a tough match, no matter who. This imbalance is well known to Bahamut, and he doesn't often seek opportunities to fight her directly. I expect if they were to ever meet in battle, it would be akin to an all-out war with many dragons on each side fighting side by side with their chosen deity. No struggle of such magnitude has happened in humanoid history. However, long before us, dragons recall an ancient war of such proportions that seem to be rippling through dragon history to this day. I suspect this long-ago war has something to do with the disappearance of Eo and the rise of modern dragons. Well, I didn't witness Bahamut fight himself, I imagine that the confrontation is solved quickly if he ever does fight. Between seven ancient William bodyguards and his impressive abilities, I see no opponent posing any threat outside of another deity. The Seven Overview The Seven are bodyguards and closest friends of Bahamut. While well, they are not always in his presence, they are usually close. They... D- may do their individual missions or visits, but they don't often leave for long. No matter how far they go, with a set of unique magical rings they each wear, they can instantaneously teleport to Bahamut's position. These rings are rarely used though, and they prefer to travel by more conventional means. All of them are demigods making them immortal, and were chosen by Bahamut as he can bestow this power to a dragon. If one is slain or perishes by other means, Bahamut can raise another dragon into the missing space of his guard. While he doesn't do this often, it's known that the number has grown to seven. Eudranagon, Mercury Dragon Quite possibly the Platinum Dragon's oldest friend is the last surviving Mercury Dragon. Mercury Dragons were extinguished in the Dragon Wars by Tiamat's brood aside from Eudranagon, who was already part of Bahamut's circle. He's often a stoic and quiet dragon. While in debates, he often says the least, but it's often the last, as many trust his wisdom and careful calcula- calculations in any situation. Mercury dragons are br- brilliant, shiny metallic gray or white with longer than usual dragon neck proportions. Uniquely among dragons, Mercury dragons have both a set of horns and a frill. Their horns are large and curl forward like a ram. Their frill rises from the nose upwards and extends past the base of the skull, protecting the bottom of their necks. Like older dragons and metallic branches, Eudratagon has only a single breath weapon, a burning line of multi-lava-like liquid. It quickly ignites and melts many materials. Melithian, Tungsten Dragon Another survivor of the now-extinct line of metallic dragons' uh, heritage, Melithian represents the Tungsten Dragons. After the war, she was the only surviving member of her race, and with the help of Bahamut, she found a new purpose. Her scales are a gray and blacks that shine brilliantly in the sun. Belithian is often described as bubbly and cheerful, well beyond the norm of dragons. She is most often beside Bahamut as his only mate, although they do not seem to have any children of their own. Bahamut may not be able to father children because they are different dragon species, or purposely avoid bringing children into such an embroidered conflict as with Tiamat. Tungsten dragons are smaller than most dragons, only topping out in the 40s of feet rather than 50s like other metallic dragons. They are quickly la- quick land runners, but can fly almost as well as any dragon. Lithe and agile like a jungle cat, they can bounce and bound. They have but a single small horn on their nose that curves backward. Milithian's breath weapon is only is an oily black acid. Yes, it is strong, but not as potent as any other dragons. Instead, the advantage lies in how sticky the acid is. While it can cling to an enemy more often, it will temporarily lock them in place. Zebrim Bronze Dragon The first to rush into the fight in the name of Bahamut, notably to jump in front of him, is Zebrim, a joyful and playful bronze dragon that is ready to fight at a moment's notice. Quite possibly the youngest of the seven, although youngest is quite a relative term when we are discussing dragons, even more so when they are immortal. Zebraim is a quick-witted, but also quick to anger, although among friends, her anger is playful. She channels her temper to great lengths on the battlefield, much like that of a barbarian's rage. For bronze dragons, Zebraim is an average size, but with a longer tail than most. She's easy to identify. Her eyes shine a bright, fiery purple, and on... One of her horns is broken nearly at the base. She lost this horn in a fight with a formidable blue dragon. Gobruhelm, Brass Dragon Chatty as any other brass dragon, Gobruhelm serves as the herald to Bahamut and the Speaker for the Seven. It's said that he's carried conversations longer than a human's age at many times. I feel this is exaggerated, but then again, he did quite talk quite a bit. It's evident that most enjoy his conversations, though, even when he seems going on too long. I found myself enraptured by his wit and charm while conversing. All of the seven have seen battle, and Gobrahelm is no stranger to a fight. He has a crippled and torn wing that prevents him from flying. Due to this fact, he rarely leaves the palace. He has many friends there, remarkably some of the birds that roost there year-round. While he's not talking, it seems he's either sleeping or eating. Most would suppose he's shy about mentioning Swing, but I have heard the story more than a dozen times. Brosiana, Copper Dragon A free spirit and a joker, Brosiana mystifies even her comrades at times. She spends the least time at the palace behind the east when her presence and absence are pronounced. Rashiana and Gabraham are very close, and if you can find Rashiana at her home, Gabraham is undoubtedly there unless he's resting. Rashiana usually lets her others handle the more serious matters such as battle, but would never stray away from protecting her friends. She is also one of the few of the 7 that doesn't seem to have significant battle scars. She looks young as any other elder worm. She has a pendant in the shape of a star that can easily mark her if you recognize the item. The tr- this treasure is the most guarded item, and she doesn't speak about why it's significant. It's, it seems only she and Gobraham know its significance. Even with his talkative nature, I couldn't get any clue from Gobraham or Gobrashiana herself. Jubim, Silver Dragon Jubim is often flat in tone and easygoing. She spends most of her time creating all these sculptures and other forms of art to pass the time. No other dragon has mastered the control of their breath weapon as Jubeam without magical aid. Her nickname, the Endless Winter, refers to the method in which she can breathe continuously using her breath weapon, much how some bards have mastered the art of circular breathing. I have never heard of any dragon who can use their breath weapon as often or as long as Jubeam. Silver dragon sails already are considerably larger than most dragons, but Jubeam's is exp- extraordinarily so. She takes pride in it, usually keeping it frosted in an elaborate pattern, and she frosts many parts of her body in decoration. It's said that she's the most beautiful dragon in the realms to some. Despite all the attention, I was not aware of any suitors. Argotrax Gold Dragon Argotrax is a gruff, battle-hearted dragon that serves as the de facto leader of the military parts of Bahamut's establishment. While he's often worried about the various fronts of battle from Tiamat, he stays by Bahamut's side as often as he can. He doesn't attack at his plans, but instead focuses on defending. There is some plan he's been brewing along with Bahamut that I understood is vital as it was secret. My knowledge, even that exists, is a rare enough of a gem. Argachax is missing an eye, part of his webbing, and the whiskers on the right side of his head. It's said he went claw to claw with Tiamat herself and survived. Despite his gruff appearance and voice, he's soft and a kind dragon. Of all the dragons living in the palace, he's the only one that has a family with him, a mate and a few wyrmlings. It's easy to see how much he cares for his family and thinks of all dragons as family, like Bahamut. DM's Toolkit Bahamut is a problematic dragon to use in a campaign. It seems like either too powerful being like too great a challenge or too great an ally. If he's... directly involved with your party, I suggest that you've either impressed him or a tremendous event or simply their high level. However, Bahamut isn't a very benevolent is a very benevolent dragon and could be a fun NPC to have around if handled correctly. Uh, thank you for listening and or reading if you did read the article. This is my seventh seventieth ecology now. Um, I did make a few mistakes in the reading there sometimes i refer to tiamat as having seven heads uh, you'll probably notice that mistake earlier on uh, it's 5 i was more hung up on the 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 thing around the seven uh, the the seven metallic dragons um, it took a long time to do this article and while it wasn't uh, continuous work it it's a lot to it's It's an important dragon in D&D history, and I didn't know how to approach it for a long time. This is probably my third version uh, of the idea of what I wanted to do. So I I hope you guys enjoy uh, my thoughts on what Bahamut, the Platinum Dragon, uh, is or was. Um, this This is how he is in my campaign setting now that I've fully figured it out. Um, And I hope you guys can use something of it. Have a good evening.